0: Hello, beautiful and happy new year. If you are a fellow entrepreneur, I want to help you kick off your year with so much wisdom, strategy, and intention that I am offering a brand spanking new, never before taught masterclass on how I do my revenue map planning for 2021. This is a co- uh, content that I created exclusively for my 2021 Elegant Excellence Mastermind members, and it was such a hit. It was so powerful that I just really wanted to be able to share some of it with absolutely any entrepreneur. So please press pause, swipe up into the description of this episode wherever you are listening or come check it out on my Instagram bio or send us an email if you really can't find it because I want to help you get this content on how to plan your 2021 revenue map in five steps. And now on with the show. Darling, how lovely to see you here. Welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, sweet friends. Happy 2021. Welcome into the new year. I don't know about you, but this has felt like a more... I don't know that lackluster is the word. I've just been really kind of like jello easing into the new year. I think that last year we had such kind of clear, strong intentions. And this year we have so much humility about how little control we have. It is still a little bit hard to comprehend that we are still in the midst of this pandemic and we still don't really know when the end is in sight. And so... I just, I talk a lot in my goal planning, I have for years as I've taught this, the, the content that eventually became the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, I've used the phrase watercolor instead of Sharpie for how we draw out our plans, that it doesn't mean that we don't paint and vision cast and 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 hold the vision of the beautiful thing that we want to create, but we do it with the humility of watercolors that it is not, we can't make a Sharpie version of a 10 year plan or a one year plan or a three month plan or sometimes a seven day, you know, one week plan that is never going to get off track when someone gets sick and there's a family emergency and you're feeling low energy and a new opportunity comes your way, a myriad of different things that can happen. So we've always known that was the case. I think we are just more faced with it than ever before. And also, I've really just been reflecting, I know we keep talking about what a big year 2020 was, but I've really spent some time thinking about why was it so powerful, so poignant, so impactful? What were the multiple things that really, many years from now, we would reflect back on why this was just such a unique year? So today, I want to chat about Six different things that I saw throughout this year in the conversations that you and I had, specifically over on Instagram stories where we talk the most openly, the most vulnerably, the most daily, and the repeating things that I came up that I saw us have new ahas or insights or growth or change, and just invite you to listen in and ask yourself in each area, what did I learn for myself? What did change in this area? And starting off with what might be a light area for some, it was a really powerful area for others, which is where we live. You know, there were so many people, specifically in New York City, where my husband and I live, that left the city. I've had one of my best friends, one of my bridesmaids, has been living with her parents for 10 months. Another of my best friends lived with her parents for four months. That is unprecedented. That is highly unique. We have a lot of us. That maybe you moved, maybe you had family move in or near you, maybe you realized what you loved about your home more than ever. You may have been more grateful for your home. You may have been more frustrated. You may have realized that you want different things in your home, that your home is more important than you realized now that you were there uh, more often. Maybe you realize you it bothers you more, that you don't live near to family when there are emergencies like this, you want to be physically closer. You know, I do think it made me feel more drawn towards wanting to be nearer to my family. It doesn't mean that we are uh, moving to California ever or anytime soon, but I did have more of a pull of that this year than ever before. I also realized for myself that I love New York City even when I don't leave my apartment just the vibe of being in New York City. And I've always said that. I've always known, because I've just never been that girl. Like, I don't go to big restaurant openings. I'm not constantly at a Broadway show. But there's just something about being in the city. And that was just amplified for me to say, I don't, it's not about getting on the subway. It's not even going into Manhattan. It's not leaving my neighborhood, but I just do have so much joy where I live. But I also was able to articulate in a previous podcast episode that I identify that vibe is what really matters to me and that that can exist a lot of different places. And that's been really helpful and informative as my husband Jeremy and I have been having more conversations this year about our future and really kind of coming back to. The the vibe matters to us. What does that feel like, look like? Where else could that exist? We love our life in New York City, but we don't see ourselves living there long term. So what else might that look and feel like? So I'm curious for you, what did you learn about where you live? And is that going to change anything? Did it change anything this year or might it change anything in the years to come, even if that is simply gratitude? The next area is who we connect with we were more connected, more disconnected in different ways than ever. Sometimes we were more disconnected that we were staying home, we were staying physically apart, we were missing being in person around our colleagues or being at church or being at girls' nights, whatever those things were. And yet in other ways, a lot of us connected more. I saw some study that, or some stat that said like 70% of people connected with someone this year that they had lost touch with. And that was absolutely true for me that um, we started doing a monthly Zoom with the theater alumni from my university, kind of my like coterie of the couple years around me that was our crew. We haven't connected in forever since college. I haven't seen some of those people since I graduated. And it has been the highlight of my month. I am giddy when I get off the call. I'm just always saying to Jeremy, that was so much fun. It's just always so much fun. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. I know for other people, you kind of got into it in the beginning and then the buzz was over. Maybe you were doing too much of it. But I certainly was calling my parents more often. Um, I think in the beginning, it was so scary and there was so much anxiety, especially for older people. They live in California. California was so bad and they went into this lockdown and, you know, we were hearing these horror stories out of Italy and... There was just so much fear. It's like I wanted to talk to them more. And also, their lives now were more home. I felt badly that they were lonely and they were bored. So I was reaching out more when that may not have been that different from their normal life, but I just became more aware of it. And so I do talk to them a lot more often. I'm in the rhythm now that I can call for 10 minutes and catch up as opposed to making it less frequent, You know, longer conversations. I've shared here that I've realized... A lot of my, what well, I don't want to say anxiety around friendship, that maybe sounds too extreme, but a lot of the pressure that I put on friendships, I realize was because of this FOmo, because of this, not even fear of missing out, but assumption that I'm missing out. assumption that other people are hanging out more, are getting more invites, are spending more in-person time than I am. And realizing when I think we're all at home, I'm actually super good just being home, that it actually is more about the fear that other people are doing something I'm not doing, as opposed to just really checking in with, well, what do you want to do if that's unrelated? That was so incredibly freeing. And I really appreciated the long distance friendships that I had. I just realized I wasn't valuing them as much as the in-person. I was putting so much pressure, expectation on this. Is everybody else spending more time in-person than I am? Uh, Am I not getting enough invites, enough in-person time? And I still very much love that. But when that was off the table, I realized, wait a minute. I have these amazing long-distance friendships that I think I've been discounting a little bit because I've been focusing more on the in-person when actually these long-distance relationships, not that I was completely taking the friends for granted, but I just realized these are amazing in my life and maybe I don't need as much of the in-person. And then simultaneously, because, you know, life is never simple, of course I always live in the complexity, I also appreciated more than ever when I did get those in-person hangouts over the summer when... Restrictions were eased a little bit and we felt like, you know, we could have people over social distance on our balcony and the weather was nice. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this so fills my soul. I do so love this. So I'm curious for you, what did you learn about connection and where maybe you missed things, you didn't miss things, you're grateful that you connected more, you still are yearning or longing. The third area is our communal experiences. So something that I will miss when this is done and even now I would say I I miss it a bit in that it just feels like there are a lot of disparate experiences though not I don't know not necessarily the holidays and New Year's ever it just looked different than normal for for everyone no matter what it looked like for you it was different somehow by and large but is this communal shared experience it really struck me in 2020 with the coronavirus that shared experiences make life easier we were all experiencing grief and loss and anxiety and fear and lack of control we were all in this together um somebody needs to come up with a better I feel like I hum that phrase all the time I've never even watched that show I think, I think it's from High School Musical. It feels like a very dated reference. If somebody has a better song, please DM me because I feel like I use the phrase we're all in this together a lot and I hate that song and I never even watch that show. And again, I sound really out of touch when I hum it. But um, we know that shared experiences might make life easier. We know when you have a friend that has also gone through miscarriage, that has also gone through divorce, that has also gone through something. I see this in my DMs all the time when people go back and listen to the very first episode and hear about things falling apart at my old church and how painful that was as one of a variety of experiences that I share in that first episode. When I hear from people, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me, it was so painful and it just made me feel less alone, less broken, less shameful, less like something was wrong with me when I heard your podcast and you said that it happened to you. And that's earnestly why I, sh- I have a podcast for probably 50% is sharing things that allow us to say, okay, I'm not the only one. This makes me feel less alone. I'm going to beat myself up less. And yet in this case, it was everyone was going through the same thing. And yes, it was different. You know, some of us had kids at home. Some of us were essential workers. But there were general emotions that we were all sharing. And I found that so beautiful. I felt like I was able to just show up on Instagram stories day after day after day crying. That if it had just been me, let's say I was going through a miscarriage, which I have not. um, But let's say that that's the case. I can go in and be vulnerable about that experience, but I still at a certain point would feel like this is not exclusively what people are, are following for. I should probably mix it up. Two months later, this probably shouldn't be the thing I'm still talking about every day. And so I would kind of... Uh, p- like a faucet, you know, I kind of regulate my emotions that I'm sharing based on the audience, based on the timing and the frequency. Here, it just felt like this is this is all all of us are thinking about, so I'm just going to be honest that's where I'm at today. And I never felt like I had to be like, okay, I'm going through this hard personal thing, but that's not where everybody's at, and that's not the purpose of my Instagram, and that's not the topic for today. And even in the all of the racism conversations, which was uh, the second kind of big thing of this year, It felt really healthy for me, actually, that so many of us were forced to not ignore what was happening, to say, this is constant. It is so present. I can't simply say, let me learn about that later. I don't quite have time right now. It's not really my top priority. And that, it it felt freeing almost because it's like, you know it's the right thing to do to become more educated, to to listen more, to learn more. And we all, I think, want to do that in our core. But there's a lot of things we want to become educated about. You know, the environment and uh, the child labor and the ethical sourcing of our clothing and, and all of that. And I think that when we really have a communal experience, and this might even just take place in your friendships, in your family, but here it was happening in culture, I think there really was something... I I, freeing sounds like an odd word, but it honestly felt freeing to say, I don't have an option to opt out of growth. And everyone around me is on the same growth trajectory. And that makes it feel like there's more momentum, there's more focus, there's more purpose. And I just found that that was really beautiful. So I'm curious. For you to ponder what have your experiences been with communal experience and does that maybe just help you value it more in the future? Maybe when something's happening, you seek out an emotional support group or you're more likely to share when you're going through something. You're more likely to take up a friend uh, on their offer to talk or go to coffee because they've been there too now that you can realize it really does make things better to be able to have those communal experiences. Maybe I'm going to intentionally lean into that more with people. The fourth area is fear and empathy. So the third major thing that happened this year was the presidential election here in the U.S. And from my conversations on Instagram stories, I find even those who are not based in the U.S. were very much following this election. And it, you know, it's it's a little bit hard because every you know, I've only been alive for a few decades on this earth and of voting age, you know, for less. And so I don't have a lifetime of all of these elections to go through. But this one felt heavy just compared to other elections. I don't know. I guess four years felt heavy as well. Anyways, it was a lot. It was a big, big, heavy election. And I really came to see that when we are scared, we lash out. Um, When we are scared, we want to, it makes us angry because it doesn't feel good. So we want to find someone to blame for this bad feeling. And so someone who disagrees with us, if that disagreement is what frightens us, then we want to attack that person. Because this feeling that we feel does not feel good, and if you would just change your mind and you would just change your beliefs, then I wouldn't have to feel so scared. I wouldn't feel so unsafe in the world, in my beliefs, in what's important to me. And so there was really this this angle of attacking that came up later in the year. And yet, I also saw that we don't want to be divided. As I shared, uh, as I I started, bravely, if I may say, political conversations in September and October in my Instagram stories, where the, the ethos was, let's just listen to what the other side has to say and challenge ourselves to not immediately make them wrong, but just be curious to better understand, I did feel that I got so many stories back That we want to be empathetic. We don't want to attack the other side. We don't want to feel attacked by the other side. We don't want to feel so scared. We don't want to feel so aggressive towards the other person. Culture just doesn't really support us in that. So much of the narrative we get goes in the other direction. And yet we really do want to be empathetic. And I think looking at like some of the conversations we had in stories were like, you know can we look at more nonpartisan news outlets? And I've really challenged myself in that this this year to just say, I'm gonna go to apnews.com as opposed to CNN as opposed to Fox. I'm gonna look for less inflammatory news sources. I'm gonna follow people on Instagram that are more showing both sides that are more positive in the way they do things as opposed to as inflammatory. And I'm just going to really welcome more of those conversations um, because I want to be more empathetic. I want to be more understanding. I don't want to f- be so triggered by other people, but nor do I want to live in my own bubble. And so I'm really going to try to seek that out. So I'm curious what your experience was in this this conversation around politics, whatever the outcome was and however you felt about the outcome, if you go back to September and October, and even then with the election, whichever side you were on and how you felt about it, it remained contentious, you know, going forward and how, what was your experience there? The fifth area is, uh, of six here is productivity. This goes back to the coronavirus in a different way. And I think that that is what is powerful to me. You know, we've talked about COVID and racism and the election, but the initial example of of COVID was really more the emotion of fear, anxiety. Like people are dying. We are physically afraid to be around each other. We don't, it's in the air. This is something like out of a, you know, a thriller movie. There was that emotion, I think, initially. Then there was another whole component of it that was about our productivity. And some of us had less time. Some of us had more time. We've talked about that a lot. If you had kids at home that were distance learning, if you were working overtime as an essential worker, you had less time. Many of you had my experience, which was I slowed down more. I had less travel. I had less events. I had less things that I was going to. And... Honestly, as Jeremy and I keep reflecting on our 2020, this, we, we were like, what would have happened if there wasn't COVID this year? And honestly, my year was better because of COVID. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm, not, I, I, I'm grateful for it. Obviously, I would rather have all of the, not the lives lost. But if I'm purely looking at my little silo, my life actually got better. We had a lot of travel plans this year and I absolutely would have overcommitted on the things I was going to accomplish during that time which would have led to a lot of stress, a lot of frustration. It allowed me to really get insight that heading into 2021, I feel like I am finally making breakthrough in some struggles I've had in I, I study essentialism I'm on board with that, but why do I still have too many things that I am committing to work, personal goals, rest, travel, you know, all of the things. And I think that a lot of us, we faced more guilt with resting um, or we faced up to the fact that we feel guilty resting and we we challenged that. Um, Some of us instead faced, were faced more with the impossibility of doing it all and Juggling, um, but whatever our angle is, I'm curious what you learned about productivity, about letting go of the shoulds. The uh, the productivity guilt episode here was so powerful as we just really realized how often we say "I should fill in the blank" when we are just lying on the couch and do we give ourselves permission to rest permission to acknowledge that the kids are home distance learning and just a myriad of things are going to go out of the window so what was your for yourself what was your lesson in productivity that genuinely shifts going into this year are there lessons that you can say here's how I'm going to approach this better more gentle lighter less as I had into 2021. And the last area, number six, is expectations and control. This was another big one tied to COVID. And I think it, the productivity was more on the granular level. It's like first we had the emotions, the anxiety. Then we had the kind of granular productivity. What does my life look like on a daily, weekly basis? Then we had the expectations and control, which was more the planning of projects and goals and our year as a whole. And so many people, um, Jeremy said this, I've heard it in a lot of DMs, with people kind of processing to me, I'm struggling to make plans for 2021 because I don't know what it's going to look like. And the reality is, we never know what it's going to look like. We just think we know what it's going to look like. We've had the illusion of control. This year, we're just aware of it. The curtain's pulled back from the top of the year. But actually, in previous years, you made plans in January that were totally thwarted by April and that were not your reality come August and your life looked different in December. And those were weight loss goals, dating goals, relationship goals, baby goals, work goals, whatever. You had a plan. And by and large, it's never perfectly come true. Because life happened. It always happens. This year, the only difference is we are acutely aware with eyes wide open that life is going to happen this year. And so we know going in we really don't understand this virus. We don't understand vaccines. We don't understand the timeline. We're not really sure what's happening in the exact same way that previously, you don't really know what's gonna happen with your launch as an entrepreneur. You can't exactly predict when you're going to get pregnant. You don't know how quickly your marriage is gonna get better when you go to couples counseling. I mean, any of these things that we kind of tell ourselves Here's how it's going to go. I'm going to have my wedding in in August and I'm going to plan it and nothing's going to go wrong. Um, Or I shouldn't say nothing's going to go wrong, but you can make that plan. And then suddenly, you know, someone in your family gets diagnosed with an illness and you're like, you know what? Scrap the August plan. We're bumping it up. Let's make it happen in February. I want grandma to be there. Well, this year, it's just, you know, now you're doing it around the vaccine or, or maybe August is a bad example for that. But specifically for my COVID brides last year. You know, you were like, oh, do we do it this time? Do we push? And now it, it just, it's previously anything also could have thwarted it. It's just now you know what, what a thing is that could thwart it. So for me, the biggest lesson that has helped Jeremy and I that I've shared here has been options A, B, and C. That really was our sanity in way back when we were pandemicing in Phoenix of, okay, we might stay here for three weeks and then go back to New York. If that doesn't feel safe, then we could extend to another Airbnb here for another three weeks. Or if that doesn't feel right, we could go to California. Like We, we were kind of open in our options and we thought we knew what plan A was. It didn't mean they were all equally weighted, but we also had the humility that plan A might fall through. It might not feel the numbers might not be low enough that it felt good to go back to New York yet, so we might want to extend, and we just already talked about that. So it felt like less of a shock, less of a disappointment. We already kind of, as a couple, knew what what we might do if that was the case, and we really have carried that all throughout our year. We've talked about it so much in these last few weeks of the year as we. Think about new plans for ourselves as a family in the long run, where we're going to live, what we're going to do. And it, it naturally now is part of our conversation. As opposed to a year ago, we had a very clear three-year map. This, then this, then this. And now we're like, well, I mean, this could be one option. Also, the you know, those two things could switch. I mean, I also think this thing could happen a little earlier. That thing also could happen a little later. And we're much more open as a couple to that which I think is a more realistic way to live, that is a beautiful blessing, honestly, as a lesson that has come out. So I'm curious for you, what did you learn around expectations and control that you can take into this new year that empowers you? Because I think that's the last thing I'll say as someone who really speaks on goals and dreams and productivity is that we don't want to then just say, "Ugh, well, I can't plan anything, so this year is a wash, I'm disempowered, I'm a victim. I think it's really powerful instead to say to yourself, girl, this has been the same thing it is always. You're just more clear on it. You're just more lucid. You're just more mature. So do what you've always done. Plan. Just now have the option ABC. Now understand that the plan is a little more watercolor than in Sharpie and it always has been. You were just really clinging to those colored Sharpies because it made you feel so good. But honestly, it's always been watercolor. So that's what it is this year. So paint a beautiful watercolor painting and vision of your year and know that the rest of us... (laughs) are right there with you because we are all relinquishing control from this year. So I would truly love to hear what your other lessons have been from this year. If you'll come comment below my latest Instagram post, whenever you hear this, I read all of those comments and would love to hear if there's other uh, big themes, big insights, personal ahas that you've had to just continue to really learn from this last year together as we move into a brand new one together as well. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately are scripted fictional podcasts. This was a new discovery for me. There is a gal who hosts another podcast that I listen to sometimes, and she started this fictional scripted podcast podcast. I'd never bothered to check it out because it didn't really appeal to me. I love nonfiction audiobooks. I'm not really into fiction audiobooks. I think because I read a lot of fiction. Um, I read every night before I go to bed and I don't have a set time in my life when I read nonfiction. So I really like that for autobiographies and things like that. So I do the same thing with podcasts. But somehow over the holidays, just being in a different vibe, I decided to check out Hers, which is called Rom-Com Pods. I'll link it in the description if you swipe up. So Rom-Com Pods, super like a fluffy beach read. It's like a mini fluffy beach read because it's six episodes. It's not the length of a whole book. And it was just pure cotton candy enjoyment entertainment when you're just wanting something really light and happy. And Blood Ties, which was a drama. And I said to Jeremy, it's like listening to a drama where you don't have to watch anything. Because to be honest, like a TV show, a lot of times I feel like I have to watch because there's going to just be a glance or they're going to do a flash of something. You see a car. Like that kind of feels like relevant information. Here you were like, I don't have to watch anything. I can just put on my makeup. I can just lie in the bathtub. I can be playing this game on my phone. Guys, okay, something else I should mention. Um, I got into Sudoku on my phone because one of the Airbnbs that we're staying at had um, had a paper Sudoku and I just had not played that game in years and it kind of got me back into it so I'm really into my Sudoku app which is good for your brain so I don't feel guilty about it but I could like do something like that and then also be listening and not having to watch something even though I'm on my phone the fact that I'm not watching a screen always feels like a next level down of technology for me staring at the screen feels different than having a podcast or an audiobook in my ears. So, uh Blood Ties is kind of like a murder mystery type thing. You know, it's like the true crime stories, but it's purely fictional. So, anyways, I will link both of those below and I would love to hear if you have any other recommendations of fictional podcasts that you're loving. Again, please come comment below my latest Instagram post um, so that I can check them out. And if there are more great suggestions, I will, of course, share them here or on Instagram stories. And one more reminder, if you are an entrepreneur, also linked in that description is the planning webinar for your revenue and income map. This is going to be so nerdy, so strategic, so helpful, and I cannot wait to see you there if you are a aspiring, current, intermediate, or advanced entrepreneur. I will see you there and back here next week with Grace and Gumption. Till next Wednesday.